Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. Hello, everybody. I'm Kenneth Copeland. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this, this time together with you today. And we praise you and we worship you, sir. We open our hearts. We open our minds to receive revelation from heaven insight and concepts and ideas that are God-born and dropped into our lives and into our spirits and into our minds that lead us and guide us to victory in every area of our lives. And thank you, sir, for blessing this nation and healing it from shore to shore, from border to border. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David, we've been talking about uh, the. I, I've just I've been astounded over the years. I'm, we're in uh, forty-eight and a half years of this ministry now, and the times and places that God sent us. And the meeting started out with almost nobody, mm-hmm. two or three people. Mm-hmm. And over, over two, three weeks' time, most of those meetings back then were three weeks long, two or three services a day. And it would get up to 200 and then 300, and, and we'd, have, well, we'd have a nice crowd. Sometimes you'd get up to 500 people. Yeah. Well, what's 500 people in the light of that enormous uh, amount of unbelief and all of that. And sometimes it would just nearly stagger me. I think, Lord, he no, you just keep sowing. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. keep sowing. You just keep inquiring of me and I'll tell you what to do mm-hmm. and I'll tell you where to be. And it just kept growing and it just kept doing and it kept growing mm-hmm. until over the years, it's amazing, particularly isolated places that you can go back and look at now, yeah. like in uh, like in the South Pacific. I'm thinking now about the little island of Ebi, and, and we were in there, and all that. Over fifty percent of the island was was less than fifteen years old. Wow! And it was just wow. amazing. But now, man. Yeah. The power of God's all over that island, and then it has spread yeah. out to other places. But that's the nature yeah. of God. That's the nature of the kingdom of God, is as if a man put a seed into the ground. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as just one believer. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as just one American. Mm-hmm. No, no. And when you begin to realize, that you are not a part, you are a major part in everything God does. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing yeah. as, a, as a, a, a born again child of God that don't amount to much. Yeah. No, we're a body. Amen. Mm-hmm. You see that, that little, little bump right there on my right hand, this yes, little area right there. Don't, don't, don't you be hitting that something that hurt me now. Because you, that, that, that little part right there kind of tender. But <laughs> yeah. you smack that with a hammer or bang it, it hurts my feet, it hurts my back, <laughs> it hurts me all over. That works 
all the time because they get all tied together. Yeah, it right. all has to do, we're the body it's of Christ. It's a little part man. of a body, but it's a huge part. We are, yeah. we are the body of Jesus. And everybody has, every part of that body has a deliberate, specific function. Yes. And without that, the rest of it doesn't work together. It doesn't work right. By itself, you look at that and you say, you know, that little function, that, uh, it doesn't mean that much. It does to the rest of the body. It may not mean much to you, but it does to the rest of the body. That's and, my little finger. That's right. You don't you be? That's right. Hey, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's little stuff that makes big differences. Back in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, the, the admonition is you really have to be careful about the little stuff because the little mm. stuff has huge consequences. It says, take us the, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Yeah. And the deal is, I mean, even in marriage, you'll find out that it, the fights aren't over huge things. They're over, you didn't pick the towel up off the floor. You didn't put the toothpaste lid back on. It's always the little things because the little leaven leavens the whole loaf. It's the littlest things that make the biggest differences across the course of time. And, and sometimes just decisions that, that, are, that are made. Um, in the American Revolution, unbelievable the amount of times that the British made a inconsequential decision that ended up causing America to win the war at Change the end. Change Change the whole direction because who cares about the little The British, you know, when they had all, the entire American army out on Long Island and had them all surrounded, the British said, we fought enough today, we'll, we'll finish them off in the morning. And so they decided not to finish them that night. Had Washington, had everybody, had them surrounded, trapped. Because they made that decision, here came a bank of fog cloud that came in, surrounded <laughs> it, covered the, between the British and the Americans. The British couldn't see the Americans anymore, so Washington goes off and gets dozens of ships, gets his guys completely yes, off that island. The fog lifts and they see the last ship going over the horizon. Why didn't we take care of them last night when we had them? You know, at the time you think, hey, the soldiers have fought enough, give them a break, they've had a hard day, we can take care of these guys in the morning. Little bitty decisions that have huge consequences. Uh, Civil War, the, the Battle of Pea Ridge. The generals forgot to send ammunition to the front lines. How, how do you forget that? Yeah. But that literally turned the course of the war. And for the first time, the Union starts winning battles instead of the Confederacy. And there's, it's just little things that make big differences. And you got to get that in our thinking because we think we have to make a you, big splash. You might be, you might be the, and it, it may not, you may not even know it till after you get to heaven. A word spoken. Mm -hmm. Just because you got up and you said, Lord, I'm yours to command today. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'm, I'm determined to say what I hear you say yep. and do what I see you do and be where I'm supposed to be. And it could have been something that you said to someone else, but someone else heard that and they thought, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't know who that person was. And that person may be the one that made a huge difference because of a comment you made. Now, God keeps score. He knows. David, this happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know, there, there's a great example I love sharing from American history where that we had a member of the U.S. House of Representatives back in 1840s. He was elected in 1831. His name was John Quincy Adams. And John Quincy Adams hated slavery. So he goes in determined by himself if it takes that, he's going to end slavery. Well, he said at the time he got in the House, about 80% of the House of Representatives is pro-slavery. 
So he's on the 20% side, he ain't gonna win many votes. And so as it went across time, uh, the, the House of Representatives was responsive enough back then that if I, the First Amendment says we have a right to petition Congress for redress of grievances, so you're John Quincy Adams, I would come to you and say, I, I have here written out a petition and I, and I want an, a new bridge in, in my backyard. You, John Quincy Adams, you would take that, you would actually give it to a congressional committee, they would have a hearing on it, on my petition. Well, in John Quincy Adams' case, since it was a pro-slavery Congress, he came in one week with over 900 anti-slavery petitions. Now, they don't want a bunch of hearings to end slavery because they're pro-slavery. So they went down and got a new rule to run the House of Representatives, went to the Rules Committee, and the new rule said, you can introduce any petition you want as long as it's not an anti-slavery petition. And so they, it was called the John Quincy Adams gag order. It is to shut him up. For the next 10 years, he didn't shut up. And they got so ticked and they tried reprimand and expulsion <laughs> and censure. There's actually campaign ads back where they have a picture of him with a bullseye on his forehead that says, someone kill this man, get him out of Congress. So he wouldn't shut up. And 10 years into this, he obviously hadn't passed anything. He's not been successful. He, he's not got any bills passed. And media, 10 years, you've been signally unsuccessful. Your agenda's not moving forward. You keep doing this. They keep yelling at you. Nobody likes you. Don't you get frustrated or depressed or? He said, no. And they said, why? Here's his answer. He said, because duty is ours. He said, results are God's. Uh, I don't care how it turns out. I just, I'm going to keep doing do the right thing. And now here's the fun part of it. He, he was a very um, noted congressman. I mean, he, he'd been president of the United States, had been a foreign ambassador, was appointed and confirmed the U.S. Supreme Court, turned the spot down, but he's a very noted guy. And as people, his 17 years in the House, as freshmen would come in, they'd want to be with him because he, he's the president. You know, it was like freshman, if Ronald Reagan had gone from being president to being a member of the House, every freshman wants their picture oh, taken with yeah, him, you know that? Yeah. And, that's, and he just didn't care anything. He just wanted to do his job. Except one time, in one election, a freshman came in, and for whatever reason, he kind of liked this kid. And so he kind of had a little brain dump with him. He said, you know, I, I know a three-step plan to end slavery. I introduced it in 1839, but I couldn't get the House to go along with it, and the Senate wouldn't do it. But I, I got a plan to end slavery. And so we're talking 20 years before the Civil War here. So he goes through all this stuff, talking about uh, all, and has this brain dump with this kid. Well, 14 months later, John Quincy Adams died on the floor of Congress. Yeah. This, this young freshman kid, for whatever reason, they chose him to be one of the pallbearers at the funeral of John Quincy Adams. Oh, you could choose kings from around the world to be, and they chose this freshman kid from a little backwater state, from a backwater town. And so this kid is on the train with the body of John Quincy Adams, and they're taking him from Washington, D.C., back to Quincy, Mass. And all along the train track, hundreds of thousands of Americans pressing the track just to see a glimpse of the body of John Quincy And this kid's going, man, what a difference he made. I, I want to do that, too. I want to make a difference. And so what happens was this kid, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, John, I'm going to run again for Congress. And he ran again, except he didn't get elected. But he ran again, but he didn't get elected. Well, I'll go for a different office. So he ran for a different office, didn't get elected. 
bless his heart, he's a born loser. He didn't get elected again until 15 years later when he became president of the United States. And it's a little guy named Abraham Lincoln. Amen. And Abraham Lincoln goes, I know a plan that'll end slavery. <laughs> the seed was planted. planted. John Quincy <clears throat> Adams never saw the end of slavery. And he didn't know the guy he planted the seed in would end slavery. You don't know what seed you're planting. No. You don't know if it's a. You don't know if that seed's going to sprout in three days or thirty years. You just know you it's know. from God. You just know that you've you got, got to your do that. ears open. You just know that this is right. That's right. You know this is God. That's right. And you get up some morning, you're just reading your chapter, and you know you do read your chapter every day, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and you're reading your chapter, Lord, show me things today. And you come across the scripture here. Oh, yeah. Oh, glory to God. They're, that, that, yeah. I really like that. I, thank you, Lord. That helps me today. Just like that did with me that day. And I had the flu back there. Yep. Whatever it was, we 35 about years ago. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I just put my finger on that, on that scripture mm -hmm. and said, I choose to believe this. Well, just that one scripture and that one action. Mm -hmm. But the Lord then went ahead and by the next morning, all the symptoms were gone. But at the time, I didn't realize the power in Deuteronomy 30, 19. Yeah, that's right. And God led me in that direction, even though I, he hadn't tapped me into that yet. Mm -hmm. And it became a major part of my life. Yeah. Just that one moment, that God led me to a place that triggered healing in my life. Yeah. David, the, I have, over the years, changed my entire way of thinking. Little bitty thing. Little small Little moment. I choose to believe this. Mm -hmm. I've done it over finances. I've done it over mm -hmm. problems in the ministry. I've done it over over bad car wrecks and, and things and members of the family and other things. Little things. One little thing it's that big. day triggered it. That's big. Oh, mm -hmm. It's being available. It's being available. And, and the, the reason that little things are important because we've been talking this week that we really think God is starting to move things in a direction that America is going to have a turn. Um, you know, he's taking people from the outside, Reinhard Bonk and others, and sending them in. He's telling folks in Korea and in Australia and Nigeria, you need to go to America. I've got something going there. I need you there. We're, we're going to... And, and so with all of that, the question then becomes, what do we do? Well, we can't be observers. And you know, we looked at those, those four guys back in Second Kings. They can't be observers. You've got right. to go, get other people into this. And so it becomes, okay, if God has indeed said, that America, it's time for you to turn, and I'm going to do some things to turn you, then we've got to say, all right, where do I fit in this? And we've got to start looking for our role in this and start looking at where we fit. And it may be a little bitty thing. It may be just a comment that God tells you to make to somebody. It may be that John Quincy Adams brain dump that you have yeah. that yeah. 20 years later ends up being, the, you don't know what it is. But, you know, when we started on Monday and you were reading out of, out of Deuteronomy 30, the Lord reminded me, in my study of the scriptures, the, the two words that have stood out to me as the biggest two words in the Christian faith as far as related to if I get to enjoy what God has promised and get to partake of what he said, the first word is choose. Yeah. 
Yes. You got to make the right choices, and he gives you choices, and you got to. You know, I don't. I don't like what God said about that. I'm not going to choose. Well, you're going to be the one that suffers. It's not going to hurt God, but you're going to be the one that misses out. But choose is the first one, and the second word is discipline. Because once you mm -hmm. choose, it's like you know with the the flu symptoms. We're told in Second Corinthians, take every thought captive. So every thought that yes, starts sir. disagreeing with what God told you that by His stripes you're healed, you got to you got to discipline yourself yes, to say no. This is what I was told. This is what he said. I'm staying focused right here. And if you don't discipline yourself to stay with the choice that's been made, then it, it won't go where it's supposed to go. You'll get distracted and you'll get all this. And so those two things of, of hearing God, then making that choice, and then disciplining yourself to stay on it, Man, if I tell my boss that, he's going to get really ticked. It doesn't matter. Did God tell you to tell your boss that? If he did, then you discipline yourself to do what he told you, and it's going to work out great. You know, now you may lose your job, and then that may convict the guy that he fired you, and that may get him brought to Christ, and the whole thing may turn but around. But all of that's not your problem. That's not, it, duty is ours, results is God's. Absolutely. If you'll do what you're supposed to do, don't judge anything by how it turns out. Judge it by whether that, you let's obey. Let's take, for instance, our God-given right to vote. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that ballot is your and my seed. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, it, it's a bad seed if I don't seek God yeah. and find out where He wants it put. Yeah. Well, I don't like neither one of the candidates. That's not your decision. That's right. And you don't not vote because you don't like either one of the candidates. No, no, because in the first place, you're not voting a person into an office. You're voting a party, a platform into, the, into office. Mm -hmm. You go back and look at that platform in, in, in our country, for instance, the Democratic platform and the Republican platform. And there's other platforms as well. And that is nothing more than their agenda. They are telling you. That they're telling you what we're going to do. This is our agenda. This is what we're going to do. Even though you may think, well, I'm electing that person. No, that person is part of a mechanism that has an agenda. And it's a big mechanism. It's a big mechanism. Now, the reason it's called a platform is because it's to stand on. Yeah. Now, you read here something, whoa, you mean that they, they want to do, they want to do what? They want to, and all of the different things, all of the abortion, all of the same-sex marriage, and all of this, and all of that, mm -hmm. and all of that. Am I going to go stand on this? Mm -hmm. I, with, I can't with stand them, on Am I going to join that together? That makes me guilty of this right. when I stand on it. Anyway, That's right. let's say, which I've had this happen to me more than once. I seek the Lord. I said, now, what, how do you want me to go here? And I do my homework. I find out what's in the platform. I find out who's supporting this and what are they doing with it. And, and then I go to the Lord about it and I seek you for whom I should vote here. And I vote and my guy didn't get elected. Mm -hmm. But if I obeyed God, and I believe in my heart, I obeyed God here and I sowed my seed, mm -hmm. then God will treat me and my family and my ministry and, 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 and maybe in your case, in, in your employment and your job and all of that, he will treat you as if 
your guy did get that's elected. right that's right he will protect your economy he will protect your children he that's will right. protect you if you'll stand and believe God that's right. for it so now what we've done we have chosen to do what's right in the eyes of God now the power is in the word choose that's right he said you choose, choose life you if you go to that platform and it's not choosing life, you, you better you listen better choose up. Life. You better choose life. You better choose life. Because you're choosing before God. Mm -hmm. He's chosen to be your God. So you choose Him to be God. And I, I can't emphasize how important it is that people listen and say, God, who do I vote for? And pray. Because I, I, you take even a spiritual-minded guy like Samuel, and he gets seven cannons in front of him, and he says, I'm choosing Eliab. He is the, he is the man. Yeah. And Holy Spirit says, no, he no, ain't no, the man. No. It's this freckle-faced kid down here. Nobody wants him. Eliab <laughs> turns up being the coward when he Goliath really shows up. Yeah. He's the wrong guy. But you end up voting for people you might not have voted for, might not have thought so, but if you listen to God, He'll tell you. you'll choose the right stuff. And even if that person doesn't win, you get the blessing. You, you said it. You you've made you get the blessings that, as if they oh, yeah. had one. Because it's, obedience is greater that's than right. sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, it, Acts Acts five. He says he gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him. Blessings come when you obey. That's right. It's just real simple stuff. And these last few seconds, we're we're saying here. Big change is already underway. An outpouring yeah. of His glory is already taking place. Pastor, start believing God for it to pour out in your church yep. right now. Yep. Start believing Him. Glory to God. I receive your glory. The, uh, uh, you remember what, what uh, uh, Brother Savell said? He said, the Lord said to him, the 2015 will be a year of visitations, manifestations, and demonstrations. Yeah. Just take that. Oh, God in my church. I receive that. Okay, then do what he says do. Yeah. He may tell you, you better get you some new seats in that church because they're coming. It, well, I believe God for that. See, you just take the next step and the next step and the next step. Praise God. And all of us doing this at the same time. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And it's here. Yeah. Praise God. Brother David and I'll be back in just a moment. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org slash notes.